We're in a chapter today series. We're going, to, we're going to do the book of Galatians today. And what I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to do a two-part series. I'm doing Galatians today. Next week we have a worship week. And then the, third, the next week I'm going to do a second-part series. The first part of the series I've entitled Our Personal Story of Redemption. Where I'm going to talk through the whole book of Galatians. And what I'm going to do is I'm going, I'm going to uh, kind of give you the main points of Galatians. And then I'm going to relate that to our lives and to how God's wired us. And then we're going to get into the Galatians, the book of Galatians at the end. I look at some really very dear, powerful, and special scriptures. Then in two weeks, I've entitled the second part of the series, Our Personal Story of Restoration and Renewal. From the book of Philippians and Colossians, we are going to talk about heaven. And I'm going to tell you what your name is going to be called in heaven. I'm going to tell you what you're going to look like. I'm going to tell you whether or not there's animals. I'm going to tell you what you're going to eat. You're going to see the scriptures unfold in so many great ways. Because in Colossians chapter 1, it says that hope comes from our belief in heaven. And if you don't know what's in heaven, you're not going to have any desire. If you have no desire, you can have no hope. So I'm so excited about, uh, about this two-part series. But the second part is not going to make sense unless we lay the foundation that comes from the book of Galatians. So uh, today, I'd like to join hands with the person next to you, and I want us to pray. God, we ask that your love would just overflow, that great agape type of love, that love that touches our deep core of our being, that, that love that goes to our very heart and, and touches our lives. Jesus, we ask that your grace would abound, that your peace would abound, that your healing power would abound. Spirit, we ask that you come and teach through me. I just lay myself as a vessel, asking that you'll flow in a way that hearts and lives will be changed, that we'll gain new insight and new understanding about you and desire to follow you with a strong passion and that you would become the magnificent obsession of our life. And so we believe you to do these things. And so, Father, the things you planned for us, Jesus, the things you purchased for us, Holy Spirit, we ask that you realize those things in our life today. In the sweet, sweet name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So Galatians was written in the A.D. 49 about 16 years after the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus. This new faith has gone throughout the whole world. Paul is writing a letter by the inspiration of his Holy Spirit to the providence of Galatia, where there are several churches in that providence. And there is a problem that he wants to deal with in the providence. And that is, uh, the people, the, 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 the Christian faith began with the Jewish people. And when the non-Jewish people came to the Lord... The Jewish people wanted to put the laws of the Torah, they wanted to put circumcision, they wanted to put keeping the Sabbath, they wanted to put a special days, special meals, special feasts. They wanted to put that on the new non-Jewish believers. And what that was doing is that was strangling the life of the church. It was suffering. The life of the church, all of a sudden these new non-Jewish people came to the Lord and they're seeing the beautiful, uh, beautifulness of God and they wanted to come and put these laws on them. And so Paul is going to address this in a very strong way. There's three points he makes in the book of Galatians and we're going to see this when we get into the word towards the end of the message. The three points he makes is this. Number one is that Salvation, redemption, and restoration of your spirit 
only, 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 only comes by faith, not by belief. The demons believe, but by faith in the person of Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross for you, that he died for every one of your sins, and he died that your sin nature would be crucified with him. And Paul declares all through the book of Galatians that this is the message of the kingdom of God. Salvation comes through Jesus Christ, and you incorporate that in your life when you step out in faith, and you open up your heart to the person of Jesus, and you surrender to him, and you say, Jesus, come into my life. No law can add to your salvation. There's nothing you can do except accept it by faith. That's the first message. Now, now let's not be so harsh on our Jewish friends, okay? Uh, as a matter of fact, in Galatians chapter 2, Peter came and he was dining with the non-Jewish believers. And then when some brothers came from Jerusalem and talked about these things, Peter, I mean, this is the great Acts chapter 2, preacher at Pentecost, Peter stopped dining with them and pulled away from them. And, and uh, Paul actually reprimands him for that. So let's talk about us about that point. There's three things I see in the kingdom of God today, in the church today. We want people to have the right theology. And if they don't have the right theology, they may not have salvation. I grew up in, in a, a particular denomination, as I've shared many times, that we were the only ones, and we knew it. All we had to do was ask ourselves. <laughs> I mean, we knew it. We had the right doctrine on everything. We understood the right thing. Now, as I look back, I was so messed up, and that particular denomination has grown so far beyond that today from where they were, and I'm delighted. But I believed that I had to have the right theology to be saved. And if I was wrong on some point, then my salvation was in jeopardy. So I had to challenge everything, including Billy Graham. Yeah. I told you that story about because he didn't believe in baptism the way we believed in the baptism. He was a, 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 from the evil one. Now, isn't that silly? The most godly spiritual man in the last century I was judging. That's what happened to me because I thought I, I had to have right theology. It wasn't about faith in Jesus and him working through me and helping me discover theology as I grow. Hey, what about, what about the right thinking about the Holy Spirit? I, back in my corporate days, I, I remember one particular morning I went to one company where the leader of that company, the owner of that company was a pastor, and he was trying to convert me because I believed... I was baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He believed that you could only be baptized in the name of Jesus. And so I had to reverse my baptism somehow and do it again. Because I didn't have the right formula. I didn't have the right theology. So we put this. What, what, about, what about speaking in tongues? What about spiritual gifts? We have some who believe in speaking in tongues, some who don't. I had to figure that out, and I had to be right if I was going to be saved. What about, and you fill the blank in for you. What about women pastors? You fill in the blank. What about, what about this? What about that? I even had, I remember fighting the battles in the 80s over small groups. Churches didn't want to have small groups because small groups were many churches, and they were divisive. Now, it's hard, you're hard-pressed to find a growing church that doesn't have many, many, many small groups. But those were battles that were fought in the 80s. Right? 
So right theology, Paul would say, no, it's not your theology, it's your faith in the person of Jesus Christ. What about right morality? Oh, goodness. I was a pastor at a church in Oklahoma, Lawton, Oklahoma. It was a church of a particular brand of politics. And I didn't fit in with that particular brand of politics. And they kind of said, ah, he's just a young man. He'll, he'll grow up one day and he'll figure out, I had to have the right politics. And then I moved to Ohio as a part of a church that had many people with a different brand of politics, opposite from the one here. And the same one, the politics here, weren't accepting the politics here. Guys, stop it. It's the kingdom of God. It's not the Democrat Party or the Republican Party. It's the kingdom of God. And the most important thing in our life is not how you vote, but it's what the Holy Spirit is telling you to do with your vote. And it's none of my business what that is. That's your freedom as an American citizen. But you're my brother because of your faith in Jesus Christ. Not because of your political agenda. My faith has been challenged. My salvation has been challenged by people who believe different than I do on politics. How can you be a Christian if? How can you if? You see what Paul was dealing with in Galatians? You really can't be a Christian unless you're circumcised, guys. You really can't be a Christian unless you keep the Sabbath day. You see how we deal with those kinds of things? Hey, what about behavior? You can't be a real Christian if you don't go to church. Guys, I don't go to church. I am the church, and I'm blessed to meet where the church comes together. You see, but if you don't want to go to church, you can still be saved. But the Holy Spirit is going to work inside you through time to help you connect with a group of people so you can live kingdom life with them and encourage one another. I don't know what that looks like. That could be a house church. That could be 10 people at Panera Bread. I don't know what that looks like for you. Okay? But if you don't, if you don't read the Bible, I tell you what, if you think reading the Bible is a chore, you miss the whole thing. I love the I can't get enough of it. It's so beautiful. So precious. Tithing. I should have could we get the plate? <laughs> so we put all these behaviors and we say, you can't really be a Christian if you don't. But Paul would say... You're a Christian because you have put your faith in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone and nothing else matters. That's the first thing we say, second message. His second message in Galatians is transformation happens because you allow the Holy Spirit to work in your lives. You see, I cannot produce fruit. I can't say apple come out, love come out. Peace come out. No, that's the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. As I surrender my life to the Holy Spirit, I say, Holy Spirit, fill me. Live the life of Jesus through me. See, I can't live the Christian life. Paul would say, you're going to see that in a minute, you can't live the Christian life. Paul would say, it's the Holy Spirit's work of transformation. So if you see someone that maybe is not farther, as far along as you are in your journey, have great love for them and just pray and encourage them to allow the Holy Spirit to do his work in them and through them. And so Paul would say, 
Change is not about you following your rules. It's not about you following your regulations. Change comes because you allow the Holy Spirit to produce the life of Jesus in you and through you. Now, please understand, I have rules in my life. For 20 years, I have not had dinner alone with another woman. I have no need or desire to have a close relationship with women. My wife and I have relationships with couples. I have relationships with men. I don't want to be... I love all my sisters. I'll hug you. I will encourage you. I'll say good things to you. But I'm faithful to my wife. I have a rule. I have boundaries that I've set. Not because I have to, but because it's healthy. My wife and I, we are tithers. Not because we have to, because we love what God's doing in us and through us. And it's so cool. It's not hard for us to write a check. Now, that's not bragging. That's just saying the Holy Spirit has done that in us. And it's so cool. And, and so, so the Holy Spirit, would, will, as he works in your life, as you see people that's not made as far along as you are, be patient and just ask the Holy Spirit to move in their life. Ask the Holy Spirit to draw them. Ask the Holy Spirit to live the life of Jesus through them. So that's what the second thing. The third thing Paul would say is this, and this is the thing that gets me stoked more than anything else. Are you ready for this? Paul would say very clearly through the book of Galatians, he would say, you're not going to believe I'm about ready to say, this is just too good to be true. He's going to say that whatever's true of Jesus is true of you. When Jesus was up on the cross, where was I? You're going to see in Galatians, I was on the cross with him. I am crucified with Christ, Galatians 2, verse 20. Nevertheless, I live in not Christ. Then you're going to see in Galatians chapter 3 in a minute. When Jesus was buried, where was I? I was buried. I was in Jesus. I was buried. When Jesus arose, where was I? In Jesus, I arose. And Jesus right now, according to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, where is he seated? Where am I seated? Whatever's true, guess what? All the inheritance, all the inheritance that comes to Jesus comes to me. Because where am I? I'm in Jesus. I'm in Christ. And, and we're going to teach a whole lot more about that in the future. But he would say, through the book of Galatians, he would say to, to all the non-Jewish believers and to all the Jewish believers, Paul would say through this precious book, he would say, guys, Jesus did it. Jesus did it. And by faith, whatever is true of Jesus is true of you. Now let's apply some of these principles to our life, okay? One of the things that I have been a student of for years... I've been a student of, of human longings and passions. I've asked myself the question many times, why is there such a desire within us for beauty? I mean, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11 says, God made everything beautiful and he put eternity in our hearts. Why is there that longing inside of me for beauty? My wife and I, we love art. And it doesn't have to be expensive art. It could be one of our grandchildren's art. It's just art that tells a story. We could get into that. We enjoy art. We enjoy music. We enjoy nature. There's that part of me that I love things that are beautiful. 
I love the sensation of awe. Have you ever looked at something and I like wonderment. I like creativity, things that are creative and, 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 and artists and, and, and all kinds of art, all kinds of just creativity. It just, it's just beautiful to me. I love adventure. I love the excitement and the thrill of a new adventure. And, and it doesn't have to, it could be small, it could be large. I just like, that's something that is inside of all of us. All of us inside of us have this longing to be loved. It's just there. See, our greatest fear is that someone will know us but not love us because then we're going to be abused. And someone who loves us who doesn't really know us is very superficial. It doesn't touch our hearts. But God knows me. Listen. Fully. He knows everything about me. There is nothing in this very moment that is hidden from his eyes about me. And in knowing all that, he loves me. That's why I have no shame. Because I know that I'm deeply loved by him. I'm fully loved by him. So we have that longing to be loved, don't we? We, we have that inside. We, we want to be loved. Why did God... Put that inside of us. What about peace? I love the peace. My wife and I, after, after a week of hard work, and we'll look at each other and say, we just want relaxing, peaceful, refreshing weekend. You guys know what that's like, don't you? There's something about our hearts. As a matter of fact, in the Fight Club, we discovered in chapter 2 of the book that we're, uh, 30 of us men are reading, is Proverbs 4, 23 says, guard your hearts. Because out of your heart, you will live your life. So we want peace. We want that, that peace that passes understanding. What about joy? And we live in a world filled with so much depression. We want joy that makes sense. Not, not, not happiness based on circumstances, but a joy. By the way, let me see this happiness. That word comes from the Scottish word, hat which means if something good would happen to you, they would call it happiness. Jesus doesn't promise hap. He promises joy, which is so much greater Amen. than happiness because joy never leaves you. But we have that longing for joy, don't we? We have that deep desire inside of us. We want more. What about significance? Not because of who I am or what title I have or or what performance, or how I've done anything, but I'm significant because I'm a creation of God and He loves me. That longing inside, I want to be significant. What about security? I want to be secure. Whether you approve of me or not, I want to be secure. I want you to approve of me. I enjoy when you embrace me and approve of who I am, but you know what? Some people don't even like me. Go figure. But sometimes I look in the mirror and I have a struggle with myself as well. All right? And so that insecurity crops up and then I have to stop and say, Jesus, you're my security. You've created this longing inside of me because you, Jesus, want to fulfill it. And so Paul in the book of Galatians would say this to us. And then we're going to, we're going to open up the word. He would say, all those inner needs, all those drives... That eternity 
that God has put inside of you, it's there because it is only going to be fulfilled in him. And he's put those drives inside of you so you would pursue him and allow him to fulfill it. So if you would, open up your Bibles to Galatians chapter 1. And I'm just going to sit here, and we are just going to put all this together. So those are all the kinds of the, the, the big picture. Now I want to see, as we just walk through the passages of Galatians. And this is going to be on, it's going to be on the screen as well. I have to put my glasses on. One day I'm going to have great eyes. I can't wait. Okay, Galatians chapter 1, beginning with verse 3. May God our Father, by the way, I'm reading from the NLT, uh, and I'll share this with you. I started my spiritual journey from about the ages of 12 to 22, went through my seminary uh, Bible college days, just studying the King James, and I love the King James. I moved there from the NIV, not because I didn't love the King James, I just wanted a different wording, different way to see things. Then I moved there to the Amplified Bible for several years, where I just read the Amplified because it would take words and amplify it. And I, and, and I was a student of Greek and went to dig down. And then I took about two years, I just went to a whole bunch of paraphrases. Okay? And then I went through a season of time when I went to the NIV, then a season of time when I went to ESV, and now I'm on the NLT. I just love the Word of God. And I love all the different versions. I like to mine down. I like to go deep in understanding what particular words mean. But that's kind of a weird thing about me. But that's for free. Whatever you want to do with that, it's up to you. Verse 3, may God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, what do we want to happen here? May he give you, Dennis. May he give you grace. All right, what does that mean? May he give you peace. What does that mean? What are you saying? He's saying, God, Paul's saying, God, I want you to give Dennis grace. And I want you to give him peace. Well, what does grace mean? That grace of God is all the riches of God. Everything that Jesus purchased for us, all the love, all the salvation, redemption, restoration, peace, joy. God, I ask that you give that to Dennis. Give it to him. So he's praying the prayer, saying, God, would you do that? Now watch this. In verse 4, Jesus gave his life for our sins. Just as God our Father planned. In the beginning of time, he planned it. In order to rescue me, Dennis. Oh, this is so cool. He gave his life to rescue Dennis from this evil world in which I live. Oh, glory to God forever and ever. Amen. And then Paul says, I'm shocked. Other version says, I'm perplexed. Other version says, I'm in confusion. That Dennis, that you're turning away so soon from God, who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. He says, Dennis, you, you, I, I, I don't want confusion. I, I guess I should say uh, Judaizers and the people who are trying to put these laws on the, Galatia, the churches in Galatia, the providence of Galatia. You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news. It pretends. If you love Jesus, then you'll be like this. If you love Jesus, you'll be like this. If you love Jesus, you'll stop doing this. If you love Jesus, you'll start doing that. But is not the good news at all. He says, you're being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. So just switch appetite, go home. Read all of chapter 1 and get more insight. 
Look at Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Paul says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. Amen. That's that part, whatever's true of Jesus is true of me. Was I actually up on the cross? Did somebody actually put nails in my hands? No, but my spirit was connected with him. I am crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but who lives in me? Christ lives in me. Let me, let me explain this. We're a triune being. What was saved? We're spirit, soul, and body. The part of us that was saved was our spirit person, not our soul person. The Holy Spirit and our spirit of salvation became one. It was our spirit that Jesus died and cleansed us from. In my spirit, man, there is no sin. The Holy Spirit will not reside where there is sin. But my soul is my flesh, my mind, will, emotions, my desires, my, 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 my sinful nature. That part has been trained by the world year after year after year after year. The key to spiritual growth is to let the Christ inside of me get into my soul man. Does that make sense? Good. Let the Christ inside of me get into my thoughts. Let the Christ inside of me get into my feelings. Let the Christ inside of me get into my personality. Let the Christ inside of me get into my drives and my desires and my dreams and, and on and on and on. Let the Christ inside of me make that happen. So I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. But yet not I, but it's Christ. It's Christ in my spirit who lives inside of me. Now look what he says. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God. That's it. That's how we live, guys. Brothers and sisters, friends, that's how we live life. You go up to someone you don't know, trust Jesus to make you, make that person noble to you and you noble to that person. We live life by faith. We live by life by trust. And that's the cutting edge of the exciting adventure of the Christian journey. So I live in this earthly body by trusting the Son of God. He what? He loved me. He gave himself for me. He said, I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. It means something to me. I'm thankful. I'm filled with awe. The, the beauty of his grace, the adventure of his grace. I'm so thankful. I don't treat it as meaningless. For if keeping the law can make us right with God, then there is no need for Christ to die. Let me explain this to you. I, I, I got to say this over and over again. Everything in my life comes by faith. But the more I grow, the more I start looking like Jesus. People always ask me, so you think you can do whatever you want? My response is, let Jesus do whatever he wants. Amen. But you're not going to, you cannot work anything up within yourself. See, I so love him. You so love him. So many of you, I know you're growing by leaps and bounds. Incredible things are happening in your life. When the Christ life inside of you comes out of you, you begin looking like Jesus. I don't want to sin. I don't want to break the heart. I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. I don't want to look at pornography. I don't want to, I don't want to, be, I don't want to not be generous. I don't want to not be kind. I don't want to not honor people. I want to honor people. I want to respect people. I want to esteem people. That's because that's the life of Christ inside of me. And Paul says that if you do things by law, it's not going to happen. But if you do things by faith and by trusting him to produce his life in you, 
it will happen. Galatians chapter 3. Everybody okay? Can we go a few more minutes? Because I love this. Verse 26. You're going to see that, uh, that part of whatever happened to Jesus happened to me even more here. For you, chapter 3, verse 26. For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Isn't that incredible? There's that faith again. You're children of God through faith. And all, have, all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. Isn't that beautiful? There's no longer Jew or Gentile. Stop it! There's no longer races. There's no longer democratic politics. There's no longer male, female. We're all one in Christ Jesus for all those who put their faith in him. Look at chapter 4, verse 4. But when the right time came, and I was debating whether, because I could talk about why that was the right time. There's five different reasons why that period of time was the right time, from, from, from the language to the roads to on and on and on. The other version says, but in the fulfillment of time. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him, watch this, watch this. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. Where does adoption start? Adoption doesn't start from the child who's being adopted. It starts from the person who's going to do the adopting. Do you realize your salvation started with God, not with you? <laughs> it's God who has done everything for you through his son, Jesus. Everything. So he adopted me. He went to the courts. He looked and said, you know, back there in 1959, yep, I'm 59 years old, so you don't have to do the math. Back there in 1959, that dentist, he's going to be raised, he's going to be given as a child to Donna and Dorothy Morris, and he's going to live at 587 Beach Court, Cincinnati, Ohio, and you know what, I want to adopt him. I want to adopt him. And he started the procedures. He said, okay, to do that, because this adoption happened from the beginning of time. So to do that, I need to let my son die. To do that, I need to take this young man's sins and all the sins that he's going to commit, and I need to put it on my son Jesus. Okay? But I want to adopt him. My salvation, everything about me, all started with God. It all started with God, not with me. That's what adoption means, right? All right, let's go on. Verse 6, and because we are his children, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. There's, there's, there's groanings, there's longings, there's promptings, there's things inside of us. God's spirit sent his son into that part of us, prompting us to call Abba, Daddy, Daddy, Father. See, that's what spirit. One of the things, I, I, I have a lot of people who ask me, um, questions about salvation and I just say I, you know and, and they're, they're having a tough, tough time and they, they've reached out to Christ but they're not experiencing salvation and I just said by faith start crying out to Abba just start saying Abba Abba I love you Abba thank you for being my Abba thank you for being my father I love you and when they start doing that over time 
the, the, the faith rises in them to receive what Christ has already done for them. And then he goes on. Now you are no longer a slave, thank you, but God's own child. Isn't that marvelous? And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. Look at verse 19. And that word heir, I'm going to talk about that in two weeks ago. But when you think about the awesomeness of being made his heir, there's so much depth in there. I don't want to go down that road, but you may want to explore it because that's a concept that is just literally out of this world. No pun intended, but that's okay. Verse 19. And so this is Paul's burden. Oh, my dear children, I feel as I'm going through labor pains for you again. And they will continue until Christ is fully developed in your lives. Isn't that beautiful? See, that, those longings, those desires that he's putting in us, Christ being developed in our life is what's going to bring that. Chapter 5. Yes, team, you guys can come on up. I'm going to be winding down in about five minutes. Chapter 5, let's begin with verse 19. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. This is what's happening, guys. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like this. Let me tell you again, as I've had before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. So what he's saying is, guys, living by the law is going to cause these things in you, and that isn't salvation. Now look what happens with salvation. Salvation, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind. So when you're living in your sinful nature by the, by the precepts of this world versus when you live by the Spirit, this is the difference. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. See, this is what it means to be born again. To be born again means that we have this fruit in our life. Let me say this to you. And I want to say this in a very compassionate way. These fruit is not what makes you born again, but if you don't have these fruit, you may not be born again. See, because when you are born again, when you put your trust in Jesus, the Holy Spirit will produce these fruits. Okay? That's not a legalistic, you know, because I deal with people all the time and say, well, I believe in Jesus. And I look at them and say, but have you put your faith in the person of Jesus? Well, I believe in him. I'm not asking you, do you believe in him? Have you put your faith? Have you surrendered your life to the person of Jesus? I believe in marriage. Brenda just wanted to get married to me because I believe in marriage. No. We put our confidence and our trust and our faith in marriage. She and I, this is our second marriage, and we know what it is to have terrible, terrible mistakes in our life and to do terrible things 25, 30 years ago. And we learned from those things, and the Holy Spirit grew us up. And so when we came into matrimony the second time, we knew what that meant. And so people all the time, people say, I believe. Belief in Jesus Christ doesn't get you anywhere. Is, it, is that true? Kind of? It's faith. Paul would say, it's your faith in Jesus Christ that gets you everywhere. And then the last scripture team, you can start playing. Dear brothers in Galatians 6, uh, go ahead and go to Galatians 6, 1 and 2. Dear brothers and sisters, once again, this is the fruit that comes from those who are 
moved by the Spirit, those who have put their faith. If another believer is overcome by some sin, that's us. What do we do with one another? We reject each other. We judge one another. We condemn one another. No. He says, if you're overcome by sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Then he says, share each other's burdens in this open way you will obey the law of Christ. So let me put this together for us. Your salvation comes because you have put absolute faith in Jesus Christ and what he did for you at Calvary. If today you're a person of not giving your life to Jesus, you can. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. It's not a come to an altar. It's something that has to happen between you and God. It's okay to come to the altar. Don't, don't give me It's okay to come forward. But it's something that happens inside of you where you say, where you bow your knees and you say, Lord Jesus, I put my trust in you. I put my faith that you died for me and that all of my sins you paid the full price for. Now I give my life to you and I surrender my life to you to allow you to live your life through me. When that happens, the second thing that's going to happen is the Holy Spirit. At that point of salvation, the Holy Spirit comes inside of you. And now the Holy Spirit wants to live the life of Jesus. Remember verse 20 of chapter 2? I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live yet, not I, but Jesus lives in me. In the life that I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. So the Holy Spirit wants the life of Jesus to be lived through you. And then the last thing, and then we'll pray. The last thing is, whatever's true of Jesus is true. Jesus died, you died. Jesus was buried, you were buried. Jesus resurrected, you were resurrected. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. You are Jesus is an overcomer. You are an overcomer. Jesus has all love. You have his love inside of you. Jesus, on and on it goes. That's the good news of the gospel. That's the news of Galatians. Would you stand, please? God, in the very beginning we ask that your love would flood flood this room that your love would comfort the brokenhearted, those who have been hurt deeply in this last week last month last several years we ask that your love would just comfort them so God comfort comfort Jesus we ask that your grace that beautiful gift of grace that would flow that would enrich our lives, that we would receive that grace and that we would give that grace. So Jesus, let that grace, let that grace abound. Now, Holy Spirit, we ask that you change us. We ask that you transform us, that we will begin more and more looking like Jesus. Like Jesus. So you want to hear, just open up your heart and you giving your life to Christ. I'd like to know about that. As we sing, the altar is open for anybody that would like to come and just say, God, make this real with me. You know, I hear this stuff all the time. 
make it real in me. God bless you.